Similar to a well-tuned automobile, a guitar requires the same level of attention to perform at its very best. No matter how expensive your guitar may be, we will treat you and your instrument with the utmost respect. Call 920-723-1733 or visit jeffsguitar.com. Jeff's Guitar Clinic in Ford Atkinson, we love guitars. The attorneys at Jingris, Thompson & Walks have had the honor of receiving numerous awards for their work both in and outside the courtroom. But just as important as receiving accolades for being skilled attorneys, it's equally important to give back to the community in which they live and work. If you want a personal attorney that can help you in so many different areas, they've got them. They're in Eau Claire, Madison, Milwaukee, and Waukesha. They're easy to reach. GTWlawyers.com. That's GTWlawyers.com. Welcome to another podcast at SlyOffice.com, brought to you by the Madison Teamsters, Local 695, and, of course, our friends at the Operating Engineers, Local 139. Congressman Mark Pocan with us. Congressman, how's everything in Washington? Great? Everything going smoothly? Quiet, perfectly <laughs> mellow, nothing going on, Sly. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know... Uh, take a, a one part Marjorie Taylor Greene, one part Madison Cawthorn, one part Lowen Bolberg. You know, uh, it's it's an interesting mix these days. <laughs> what do you make of what happened yesterday with President Biden in Japan uh, with the, the the very confusing one China policy? Yeah, you know, um, once in a while that happens where the president might get a little farther out than the policy I think that they wanted to officially be stating and. Uh, you know, that appears um, to maybe be a bit what happened. But, you know, it's good that the president's getting around, um, you know, for during COVID it was a tough period and there was a divide in the White House whether or not he should be traveling. Um, we're glad now that he's out traveling because I think this is part of what I, I think will make people realize why it's great to have someone like Joe Biden rather than someone like Donald Trump in the international stage. Well, our policy is nonsensical with Taiwan. It doesn't make any sense. And isn't there more of a danger now with ambiguity uh, than there is with, you know, placating China really hasn't been all that effective. And when they're saber rattling and and doing military exercises, isn't it almost an invitation to let them do what they did in Hong Kong? I personally think much of the hype about China doing this and China doing that is Overhyped, uh, it's generally how the Republicans justify higher defense budgets, uh, Pentagon budgets, uh, more money for military contractors. So I personally don't fall uh, into the hyperbole, I think, that, that often gets out there when it comes to China. All right. But couldn't you have said the same for Ukraine uh, and, and President Putin? A lot of people thought he was saber rattling as well, and it turned out he wasn't. No, a different situation, very different situation. You think so? Okay. Yeah, I, think I, disagree, yeah, I, I think I disagree with you on this one. I was, I was no, kind of glad the president said what he said yesterday. Yeah, I, I, honestly, it doesn't matter to me all that much one way or the other because China is not if, – if China is doing anything competition-wise, it's in the world economically, hence why, you know, trade and other issues are important. But it's not the same as, uh, you know, Russia doesn't have a really an economy. So, you know, they're more into the expansion mode. And it's a very different situation. So I think trying to equate the two is equating two very different countries and very, very different motives. 
Let me ask you about the World Trade Organization and the inflation problems we're having right now and supply chain issues. How much do you think our previous trade deals and policy towards China giving them favored nation status has to do with the problems that we're having right now? Well, it goes right back to, honestly, when Bill Clinton was president and when we started much of the let's produce things overseas and we'll do things that are higher road economics and eventually we gave up producing things here, period. And not only did you see the problems with COVID when you, you know, don't make things here anymore, you run into supply chain issues, but also you, know, you can't have an economy just that focuses on service sector uh, and other sector jobs. You need a manufacturing base, and unfortunately uh, we, we got rid of a lot of that. That's why in Congress we passed a bill called the Compete Act that right now is in conference but will pass and will get the president's signature that's trying to address some of those more critical supply chain issues and especially things like computer chips because I'll admit I didn't know the average car has a thousand computer chips and the average electric vehicle has two thousand and that we have about a four-day supply at any time right now in the U.S. of chips which is why about 30 percent of inflation was pegged to car new car prices. Um, those are sorts of things that are really a buildup, as you and I know, from decades of some really bad policies. And I, I don't know if we're unwinding it especially fast, but we are trying to unwind it in some key areas. Well, I'm sure your colleague Sherry Bustos can tell you those jobs that left Freeport, uh, thanks to Bain Capital and Mitt Romney, uh, those parts for transmissions were crucial for vehicles. And now we've lost control over that part of the supply chain. Absolutely. And, you know, um, vehicles are about 30 percent of it. Obviously, there's energy and groceries that people are seeing every day. But to the overall inflation numbers, that's largely, again, chip-related and vehicle-related. But, you know, we had three steel price increases last year. I think we've had one or two this year. Um, you know, this is uh, what happens when you reopen the global economy uh, as you kind of were coming out of COVID last year, or at least the, more, the bigger shutdown portions of COVID. And there's nothing that was made. Nothing was inventoried. Everyone likes to do, you know, uh, inventory on demand now. And because of that, there was a scarcity of goods and everything was infected, was affected for inflation. So it's not just the United States. It's obviously uh, European Union. It's other countries that are they're feeling this. But in some key areas, we've been going pretty wayward for decades, I would argue, in the United States. And, you know, I think we should have a much tighter uh grab on uh, things like making medicines. And I think PPE now, we have learned, uh, make a lot of sense to be making the U.S. Uh, I think there's other critical sorts of parts of the economy that uh, we should just figure out how to have more manufacturing back in the United States. Because, you know, it may have been the third type of coronavirus in the last couple decades that we just experienced that <laughs> became a once-in-a-century pandemic. But, you know, and now today we're talking about monkeypox, right? And it'll be something else the next day and the next week. And we have to be ready for that. So President Biden, his record as a senator wasn't particularly good on trade. He has spoken very differently since uh, he ran for president in 2020. And now are you happy with the, the administration on trade and labor issues? Trade, honestly, he's spoken less out on labor issues spoken more, and yes, very happy. I mean, you know, he doesn't, you know, have a twitch in his, his eye or his arm when he says the word labor, uh, like I think a lot of other uh, presidents did, you know, previously. He's comfortable with it. He has been very 
forward thinking. We've asked him to do some executive orders, I think, that'll be good for workers. That I think uh, he's very serious about looking at. So when it comes to labor fund, um, quite comfortable. Uh, on, on trade, I, I've yet to see enough to give you a, a full assessment. Right. Well, it, it, we, we aren't hearing much about, you know, the proposed TPP anymore. Exactly. I mean, those kind of things, those are very antiquated. I mean, no question. COVID told us that our supply chains are insufficient in many sectors of the economy. And now the question is, how do you bring companies back? Now, uh, some would say, oh, give them giant tax breaks, just like we gave them to leave. Now we'll give them giant tax breaks to come back. And who wins in the end? Uh, the corporations, and that's about it. Um, but I think there's other ways we can do that. And, again, that's why we were through the Compete Act. It will be a bill that will pass right now. There's a conference committee, you know, making the, the differences between the House and the Senate, you know, bringing them in line. But it largely is talking about um, doing more production of critical items here in the United States, and that's a start. And uh, I, I think it's a good start. What about uh, what about competition in America? You obviously have been very concerned about mergers. What's going on? You know, and obviously we don't have enough competition in the baby formula market. Uh, tell us what you think about that. Oh, I, I tell you, it, it's so many areas. This is one that there was a bill that went through the Judiciary Committee. I don't know if it'll make it to the full House. It had an interesting mix. People like Matt Gates were doing the right thing on it and some folks on the right. And then we had some Democrats that were uh, doing what the corporations in Silicon Valley wanted, right? Uh, the problem is it's not just what we're seeing in the baby formula, although it's a great visual example to the public what monopolies mean and why we have to have better antitrust laws, but meatpacking. I think 85 to 90 percent of meatpacking is in four or five companies. Um, same when you go look at oil, same as when you look at uh, there's so many industries that it's consolidated only to a very few. Well, one, that's not good for consumers because they can uh, definitely manipulate price far easier. Um, but two, it's not good for all the production stuff. You know, in baby formula, you have one mistake and, you know, a company had an issue with some of the production and look where we're at now. Um, that's what happens when you have too much power going to corporations unchecked when it comes to antitrust laws and monopoly. And uh, we are seeing it now in many sectors. Uh, the tough part is the sectors are uh, very active in lobbying and uh, involved in campaigns, and it makes it harder to see some of my colleagues do the right thing. Mark Bocan with us, SliceOffice.com. We'll be back in just a second. I want to thank all the labor unions here in Dane County that help keep SliceOffice.com up and going so you keep up to date. Whether it be the Madison Firefighters, Local 311, or the Madison Teamsters, Local 695, or our friends at Madison Teachers Incorporated. These are some of the most active local unions who organize, 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 and constantly stand up for workers. Thank you from SliceOffice.com. When you're looking for a new computer or need help with one you already own, call 231-8000 and Madison Computer Works will get things up and running for you. Madison Computer Works, computers that work for you. Congressman Mark Pocan with us at SliceOffice.com, brought to you by our friends at Madison Computer Works and also Jeff's Guitar Clinic. I want to talk to you a little bit about Roe v. Wade. Uh, we were both pretty young when that passed. It wasn't big news in 1973 because it's the same day Lyndon Johnson died. But it is big news now. You have responded uh, to the leaked draft written by Samuel Alito from the court. 
what has transpired since, and what are your hopes for reproductive freedom in America? Well, you know, this, I think most people have considered settled law in the country. If, if it's been law for over 50 years, a half a century, um, people have come to expect uh, that that is uh, what, what the law is. And there's a slippery slope argument in that leaked Supreme Court decision, or, or document, I should say, not necessarily a decision yet, but but the document that showed uh, this this line about how long something is, is decided law in the country. And, you know, they brought up things like marriage equality and other issues that you can now suddenly see a Supreme Court be activist, and they are an activist court that was appointed by uh, last couple, um, you know, during the Trump administration that were very activists that could really be uh, doing policy where it should be an elected body uh, that's making those decisions. And I think it's a real threat because, you know, it is a person's individual freedom to make decisions about their health care and about their bodies. And if you now have big government coming in, this is the big government that Republicans have been trying to do for a long time and have been building up to do with court selections and picks. And, you know, we have to make sure that uh, something that has been commonplace in the United States, which is that freedom to be able to make those decisions about your body, is the law of the land. We did that in the House. We passed a bill that codified that into law. Of course, the Senate, with their weird rules, can't pass anything. So that's kind of, uh, you know, dying over there. But I think real people, uh, it's, it's definitely woken up the concern about their freedoms and how Republicans are on a regular basis going after freedoms. It, it, you know, they, they definitely have double speak, right? They talk about being the party of freedom, and yet it's only if you agree with their freedoms, not with actual freedom. So uh, your friend and colleague, Ron Johnson, your good friend, Ron Johnson, uh, has said yeah. <laughs> said that he in the headlights. has said that he doesn't really think this is going to affect women in Wisconsin and won't be a big issue in the election, and they can just go to Illinois. Yeah, well, you know, in Wisconsin, uh, we will go back to law from 1849. In 1849, um, you know, you still had slavery uh, legal uh, in this country. Um, I think we got our first telegram was delivered in 1849. In Fred, Fred Fred Risser was elected to the legislature that year. <laughs> oh no, sorry. Oh no. Um, so <laughs> it's crazy that we would go back to something that's 170 years back, and yet that's exactly uh, where we would be going. And you know, I've already seen uh, people say they'll have abortion clinics right across the state line in Illinois, but that's fine for people who are affluent enough to be able to, to do that, but for many people, they're not going to be able to. So, you know, the problem is the Republicans never live out the rest of that uh, if you actually allow a fetus to uh, come to become a baby and, and to be born because of, of laws, then they don't want to provide uh, food assistance or any other assistance, uh, education, etc. There's a real disconnect in the Republican rhetoric on this issue, but again, it's to appeal to a very small niche part of their party, and they all then follow that in order to try to make up their, I can't even call it a big tent, it's kind of a, a strange tent uh, that they've made up as their coalition. What I have found shocking is, and I'm sure you know, Griswold versus Connecticut was the precursor to Roe v. Wade. There was a time in America when birth control was outlawed, and I have heard a shocking number of Republican politicians not close the door on 
going after that case on birth control. As a matter of fact, some of the Trump-supported candidates have said they're going to go after birth control. What are your concerns about that? And are you, concern, are you concerned about gay marriage as well? Something that could affect you personally. Yeah, no, these are all things that, that they showed to that, that document that got leaked that are now in jeopardy because of how the Supreme Court might decide Roe versus Wade. I mean, birth control, well, then you're, you're really going to go back to, you know, a long time ago where uh, you're going to have a lot more unwanted pregnancies. Um, and uh, marriage equality, I got calls the very next morning, people concerned if they're going to lose uh, that marriage that they have had now for years and years uh, because of uh, a, a strange uh, decision that looks like it's coming out of the Supreme Court. So there's a lot of reasons. Don't forget, we got Wisconsin gubernatorial candidates saying uh, that even in the case of rape and incest, uh, abortion should be illegal. I mean, you've got a lot of white dudes that are going to tell women um, what they can do uh, and as well as others. Um, and that's the problem. The Republican Party is not a party of, of, of any kind of choice or any kind of freedom, for that matter. It is now a very extremist party because they have to appeal to every extremist element that they've been made up of. Well, let us not forget what the female candidate for governor in this race, uh, Rebecca Clayfish, said that when it comes to rape and pregnancy, that women should just take lemons and make lemonade. Yeah. No, th this is... This is the, the, the slate of candidates you have running against Jody Evers for governor and, uh, and in a purple state uh, with, you know, some real headwinds around COVID and inflation, uh, you know, could be a real challenge this year. What do you make of your friend and former colleague Robin Voss getting booed at the convention when all he said was that he did not have the legal power to try to overturn the 2020 election? Lots of loud boos. And that's the craziness, right? If you speak the truth in the Republican Party, you are ousted, right? Uh, I mean, they've tried to coup him uh, within the legislature. They now had that vote with a significant vote of the Republican attendees because, you know, the Kool-Aid that they're all clearly drinking is the Trump Kool-Aid that the election somehow was not valid, even though every nonpartisan agency and, and even reasonable uh, thinking among Republicans about the election tells you it wasn't because it wasn't. And yet, this is more about Donald Trump's ego um, not wanting to think that he actually lost an election by the largest margin uh, in national history. It wasn't it 7 million votes? Um, but this is the modern Republican Party. In closing, let me ask you your hopes for 2022 and the, the House Democrats. Uh, the generic ballot numbers look a little better over the last month. It looks like some of the Democratic prospects have increased, but you know what can happen in midterm elections. Do you have any hope at all that the Democrats could retain the House majority? Um, you know, it, there's a lot of headwinds, especially after what just happened in the maps in uh, New York, because that cost us several seats right there. And there's another state, too. It looks like uh, I think it might be Rhode Island could be costing us a seat. So where we were kind of even going into the fall, um, now we've got some pretty big headwinds. Um, in addition to uh, inflation, um, and, you know, I think the COVID hangover, hopefully it's the end of that to the more endemic stage. But those are all challenges. And, uh, you know, even though the Republicans are putting more and more extreme candidates out there, um, I think, you know, the counterforces we have are Roe versus Wade and personal freedoms and watching what the Republicans would do. So political years are like dog years. There's a lot of time between now and November. But 
Um, certainly right now, if you were setting up uh, the odds in Vegas, you'd probably set some odds against Democrats. I'm not sure if I would be putting a bet on those odds yet, but I'm sure they're starting to put those odds together. Congressman Mark Pocan, thanks for coming to SliceOffice.com today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Mike. Take care. Appreciate it.